0: We've been talking this month, or two actually, this is the eighth in a series on Prime Directive. We started talking about the great commandment. The great commandment is, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might, and you shall love others as yourself. Love God, love others. And then we started talking then in February about the Great Commission, that is, to make disciples of all nations, to baptize them, that is, not only bring them to Christ, but bring them into the fellowship of the church through baptism, and then teach them to observe whatsoever I have commanded you. So we have determined that our prime directive is love god love others reach the world for jesus i spoke with you last week as a part of that about in reaching others for christ we must reach our jerusalem that is jerusalem represents those people with whom we already have a relationship it might be our family members it might be our co-workers our neighbors but these are people that we already have a relationship with. <clears throat> that is our most powerful worship. That is our witness. That is our most effective witness is to reach those people. But we must also, at the same time, reach our Judea. Judea represents those people who are close to us in proximity geographically, but they are unknown to us. That's perhaps our neighborhood around us at home. Maybe it's our neighborhood around our church. You know, it, it used to be that we knew all of our neighbors. It's not uncommon today for us not to even know who our neighbors are, not to know their names, not to know anything about them. But as Christians, it is our responsibility to be good neighbors. We're gonna talk later on this year about the art of neighboring. But we need to get to know our neighbors even if they are now unknown to us, that's a little more difficult task. It may take a little more effort, but we need to not only reach our Jerusalem, and let me encourage you, reach your Jerusalem for Jesus, but at the same time, we need for you to reach your Judea. That is, reach those who are around you that are currently unknown to you. You must reach them as well. We talked about reaching Samaria. Samaria is represented by those who are close to you in geographically but they're different from you whether it's a racial difference or a nationality difference or a religious difference <laughs> I even said what about a different political party they they are different from you that we listen we're still commanded to love them and to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ and and so we need to reach our Samaria at the same time that we're reaching our Jerusalem and our Judea. We talked about reaching the uttermost part of the earth. But I'm here to tell you today that if we're going to reach our Jerusalem, our Judea, our Samaria, and reach even to the uttermost part of the earth, there we're gonna to have to have something happen in our heart. I think maybe we're standing at a crossroads and the verses of Scripture that were read to us today represents a turning point in the history of the church. It represents a crisis in missions in that day and perhaps in this day. You see, the gospel of Jesus Christ up until Acts chapter 10 had only been preached to the Jewish nation. It had not been preached to other nationalities and if you don't get that if you don't realize that you will never understand what a turning point in the history of the church this event was in fact this is the biggest event in acts in, in the entire book of Acts there's there are more verses in chapters 10 and 11 concerning this one event than in any other event except Peter uh, except Philip's long-winded sermon, where he preached from Genesis to all the way to Jesus. And other than that, long he's a Baptist preacher, you understand. So he had a long-winded sermon. Other than that, this is the the this occupies more verses. It's the most important event in the book of Acts because it is a turning point in the history of the church. And here's what happened though. This is why it is a crisis. Now, the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. Now, so when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party. Now, let's un, let's understand what that means. These are Jews who were teaching you have to become a Jew before you can become a Christian. They were legalist. They were... They insisted on the Jewish religion and keeping the law of the Old Testament. And This critis- is the circumcision party. I almost called them the criticism party. That would be accurate, too. The circumcision party criticized him. Now, that's amazing. Can you imagine somebody in the church criticizing the preacher of all things? I mean, that just, that just doesn't happen, does it? They criticized him saying you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them by the way you you know when you read the scripture you you need to be careful charlotte how you read it because you can read it in a very boring fashion and totally miss the point if if you read this and you say you went to uncircumcised men and you ate with them you missed it you have to you have to say it with well brenda brought up a word she was reading in in our book about, I'm a church member and she read a passage that said something about an acrimonious business meeting. She said, acrimonious. What does that mean? I said, it means that you talk to someone like this. That's acrimonious. And you need to understand, do not read this without the acrimony, because what they said was. You went to uncircumcised men and you ate with them. You understand Jews would not have anything to do with Gentiles. Peter's experience with God, guys, listen, and the subsequent mission trip to Caesarea is one of the greatest turning points in all of history because something had to change in peter he was a jew he had been raised all of his life to follow the law of the old testament he followed all the traditions of the elders and when god spoke to him that he was supposed to go to this gentile it was one of the hardest things in his life he needed to change i wonder Since this was a turning point for the church in Jerusalem and for the history of the church altogether, I wonder, what about our church? What about you? What about me? What needs to change in our attitude, in our lives, and in the practice of our church that we can be the prime directive church? Love God, love others, reach the world are we really going to do that unless we pass the test of this crucial moment well what does that mean a turning point well it means first of all deliverance from the past that plagues us deliverance from the past that plagues us i hear way too much about the history of our church and how things used to be And some of what I've heard, not so much here but in other churches, is, I want it to be just like it was when I was a teenager. Well, would you like to work for the same wages that you worked for 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 40 years ago, 50 years ago? Um, And you would say, only if the prices were the same as it was back then. The world changes cultures change times are changing we have to be willing to be to let the past be in the past we've had some great things happen in our church and we need to quit looking back at things that were not so pleasant before and embrace where we are now and what god is doing now We need deliverance from the past that plagues us, and we need to look with hope and joy and excitement for the future. I'm excited about what God's doing here. Are you? Man, I hope you are. I'm excited about what's going on in this place. That deliverance from the past for Peter included a deliverance from legalism. You see, in the Old Testament... They were taught that in order to earn a place with God, to earn acceptance with God, you had to perform, you had to obey a set of rules. There are still legalists among us. Now, I grew up in the old days of of preachers preaching about uh, long hair and short skirts. and uh, We don't preach about that much anymore. I've wondered back then if some of the preachers who only preached about those things, if if that's all they could preach about and if they ever really read the Bible, uh, understand God has done through Jesus Christ all that has to be done to earn you a place with Jesus Christ, to earn your relationship, to earn acceptance. You don't have to earn acceptance with Christ. God has done it all. Jesus paid for all of that on the cross. Jesus paid it all, all to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He, that is Jesus, washed it as white as snow. That's an old song. I don't know if you recognize the words. But understand, you don't have to follow the rules to be right with God, the Bible says, you who were dead and your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, that is the dirtiness of your flesh, the sinfulness, God made alive together with him, having forgiven all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This He set aside, nailing it to the cross. Listen, there was an indictment, just like a court indictment, just like a judicial proceeding, and you've been charged with a criminal uh, sin uh, and criminal contempt against God. And Jesus took that document and nailed it to the cross by being Himself taking on himself your sin and mine and being nailed to the cross he paid the price listen legalism that means trying to keep rules in order to earn God's approval denies the purpose and the power of the cross of Jesus Christ understand this people say why would God allow people to go to hell. How can God be good if there is a hell and he sends people to hell? He doesn't. He allows you to go to hell. But you do that by disdaining the sacrifice that Jesus made on your behalf. See here it is. God loved you so much that he sent Jesus Christ to die for your sins when you try to obey rules in order to save yourself, what you're saying to God is, the sacrifice of your son doesn't mean anything to me. I'll do it myself. Do you realize that? You are casting aside with contempt the cross of Jesus Christ and the sacrifice that Christ made. And if you do that, By rejecting Christ as Savior, by refusing to turn to Him, God will allow you by your own choice to walk away from Him and to spend an eternity in hell. That's not what He wants. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He paid the price for your salvation. Do not reject the payment that he made, deliverance from legalism. Deliverance from the past also means deliverance from tradition. You see, a significant part of Peter's problem was not what the Bible said. It was what the elders said and the tradition of the elders. They had so many traditions. The very notion that a Jew could not have a Jew in his house. That he could not eat with a Jew. In fact, do you know that if a, uh, that a, a Samaritan was walking down the street, a Jew would cross the road to walk on the other side to keep from meeting that Samaritan and walking in the same place that he walked. Those traditions, that's not the Word of God. That was not God's plan. Those traditions took the place of the Word of God. In fact, Jesus talked about with the washing of hands and the washing of platters, and he said, All these traditions that you do, you've missed the point of the Word of God, and you've substituted in the place of the Word of God your own traditions now listen we have a lot of traditions we need to understand in fact that most of what happens in a baptist church or any church on sunday has more to do with tradition than it does with the bible now listen that's not wrong you know um we we recently changed i realized somewhere along the way that in the first service i'm welcoming people and i'm telling them i'm lynn Raper and I, i'm the pastor of of this church <clears throat> and i was not doing that in the second service and i was I, I realized that that's what brother bob was doing he was never telling people who are, here, here we have people in the service with us by video our live stream and the pastor was never introducing himself that that means me and so we changed our tradition and now we have a song to sing you in some of you don't come in the building, you know, till you, till, you, till you hear the music. And then I introduce myself so that the people who are not here physically present but are watching the live stream, they can know who I am. Well, is that unscriptural? We changed the tradition. Listen, there's nothing wrong with tradition as long as we do not turn them into a requirement. Now, what the Bible says is a requirement. We obey the law of the new covenant that Jesus made, the covenant of grace, the New Testament. We live not by law, but by grace. Traditions become a problem when they become more important to us than the Word of God. Deliverance from legalism. Deliverance from tradition and deliverance from prejudice. You see, the Jews were the most prejudiced, the most racist people that have ever been. To a Jew, there were two classes of people you were either Jewish or you were the scum of the earth. They referred to it as Gentiles or the nations. There is the nation, the nation of Israel. And then there are the nations, everybody else. And Jews hated everybody else. They were the most bigoted, the most prejudiced people in the world. God had to change the mind of Peter about his prejudice. He met with him on Simon's rooftop in a vision. He lowered a sheet three different times with animals in the sheet for Peter to kill and eat and they were animals that he as a Jew was not supposed to eat. Three different times God said, "Do not call unclean that which I have cleansed." Peter was pretty hard-hearted, <coughs> hard-hearted and hard-headed. It took him three sermons to get the point. Some of you wonder why I've been pounding for eight weeks. Love God, love others, reach the world. Love God, love others, reach the world. I'll quit preaching that when you start doing it. Love God, love others, reach the world. How many times will it take before we get the point? It took three times, Larry, for Peter to get the point. But, you, but he got it. You know what he did? Immediately after the third time, there was a knock at the door And the men sent from Cornelius were at the door asking for him. And God said, this is the invitation. Answer the invitation. You know what he did? He invited them in, Gentiles, to stay in that Jewish house that night. You have no idea the importance of that statement in the scripture when he invited them in. Then he turned and went with them. He was delivered from his prejudice. I'd like to think that that is not an issue in Faith Baptist Church. And I will tell you openly (coughs) that I was serving as interim pastor, but I read the questionnaire and had to answer the questions that were put to every pastoral candidate. Clint, it said, would you have a problem working with a multicultural, multiracial congregation. And I was really tempted to answer, well, the truth is I spent a lot of years in Africa working with a black congregation, but I suppose if I have to work with those white folks, I can do that too. I would hope that there is no need of preaching against racism at Faith Baptist Church. We've been a multicultural, multiracial church for a lot of years. But in the day in which we live, I'm afraid that racism has raised its ugly head again. And it's necessary to say racism is wrong. In fact, racism is a sin against humanity. And to sin against God. But listen, racism is wrong no matter what race you are. We live in a day when we've been told it's okay to be racist, that is to hate people of another race, if you're a minority. For a dozen years, I was a part of a minority in Africa. That did not mean it was okay for me to hate People of a different race than me. Racism is a sin against humanity. Racism is a sin against God no matter what race you are. If you are still dealing with this, be honest with God about it. Repent of the hatred. Repent of the prejudice. And get right with God and be delivered. Be delivered from the legalism. Be delivered from the traditionalism and be delivered from the racism, the prejudice that plagues us. Listen, understand this. I said this is a turning point in the history of the church. I don't think we've got any Jews here, anybody of Jewish descent. If, you, if I do, tell me about it later. I, I'd like to know. But otherwise, do you understand? If it were not, for Acts chapter 10 and Acts chapter 11, none of us would be here because we're Gentiles. The the gospel of Jesus Christ would have been limited to Jews only and none of us would ever have been saved. We need deliverance. And if we are at a crisis of a turning point, let's hear the voice of God. God and obey it. Okay, that crisis and mission was not only deliverance from the past that plagues us, it's also a challenge of obedience to the God who calls us. A challenge of obedience to the God who calls us. You see, God has called the church to take the gospel to all the world and every creature. I said last week that it means all nations make disciples of all nations. That's our command. That's our marching orders. That is our commission. It's not a question of whether we ought to reach all people. We know that that is the case. And I would tell you that it's not a question of whether we're able To reach all people i I have a chris walter uh somebody back there turn up the monitors i'm losing my voice and i need to hear myself in the monitors so i don't strain my voice turn the monitors up thank you it's not a question of whether we ought to and it's not even a question of whether we can understand god will never command us to do something which he will not enable us to do this church Has the power of the Holy Spirit working? Man, we've seen the Holy Spirit work. We had two moves this morning in the early service, the big service. And praise God for those who made decisions. We'll be baptizing Cody Hill uh, sometime this month. Praise God. Cody's mom came first. Cody came after the service to talk to me he, you know he wouldn't walk up in front of people but Kim came and said I never I've been away and I never moved my membership I just wanted to make a public commitment that I'm back I'm back at Faith Baptist Church she said this is the church that loved me and this is the church that I love and this is my church and I'm back praise God this The Spirit of God has been moving. We have the power. It's not whether or not we can do it. There's no question. Stan, we can't do it. Absolutely cannot. But God can. God can do what He's called on us to partner with Him in, and that is reaching all people for the gospel. So the question is not whether we ought to do it. By the way, that means to you. It's not a question of whether you ought to speak to your classmates, you ought to speak to your family members, you ought to speak to your neighbors, you ought to speak to that Latino family that moved into your neighborhood. You ought to speak to everyone about salvation, about faith in Jesus Christ. It's not a question of whether we ought to, the question is whether we will do it or not see it's a matter of obedience it's a challenge to obedience to the call of God are we willing will we do it or not God can change our want to <laughs> my dad said to me one time uh, Carter I was dad told me to do something and I said well I don't want to and he looked at me and very quietly said I can change that. I was convinced he could change that. (laughs) He could change my want to. Be very careful when you decide to disobey God because he can change your want to. Okay, so we're talking about a crisis in the mission of the church. We're talking about a deliverance from the past that plagues us and a challenge to the obedience to the God who calls us and it's also a crisis in the direction of the ministry of the church. You see, at that moment, that Jewish congregation, this has already happened, Larry, in Acts chapter 10, we got the whole story of what happened in Peter's life. But that's not the answer. That's not the turning point. That's just the beginning. Andrew, now he's come to the church, and he's telling his story to the church. What is the church going to do? Zach, is the church going to turn her back on what God has said? Or is the church going to embrace this? I mean, they can exclude Peter. They can rebel against everything that God has said. What will the church do? At that moment, the church stood at the crossroads. Their response to Peter's account would determine the course of missions For all history. Listen there have been other crossroads. That the church has faced. I've quoted many times. That in the day of William Carey. A couple of hundred years ago. When modern mission work began. William Carey was leaving England. Calvinism had turned the church against evangelism. There was a focus just Uh, an inward focus, the church was focused on itself and had totally neglected the rest of the world denying that the rest of the world was lost or that they could do anything about it when William Carey determined that God had called him to go to India to take the gospel some hard-hearted, hard-headed Calvinist, Baptist deacon stood up and said young man sit down if God should choose to save the heathen he will do so without your help or mine that same we are in danger in our day of that same inward focus that same hardshellism that same Calvinism turning off the fervor of evangelism in our church So that we look inward and not, rather than reaching out with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We stand at a crossroads. Will we only focus on ourselves, on our community? Or will we reach the world for Jesus Christ? You say, I can't go there. You might be surprised where you can go on a mission trip. You might be surprised where God might call you. I sat in a church with fewer people than are in this second service right here as a teenager and listened to the preacher talk about how God had called him to the ministry. I sat there with the conviction of the Spirit of God pouring all over me and I held on to my seat to keep from responding until I could hold on no longer and I surrendered to the call of God. There came another point in my life. After I prepared myself through seminary, after pastoring for about seven and a half years, God called us to Africa. That time I didn't hold on. I let go immediately. We, I resigned the church, we raised the funds, we went to Africa to reach Kenya with the gospel of Jesus Christ I'm looking at a lot of young people and some not necessarily so young but it would be my prayer that God would reach down into Faith Baptist Church and lay his hand on some young man to preach the gospel some young lady to go to a mission field as a missionary helper that God would call people from our church that's how Faith Baptist Church reaches the world I mean right now we have a former young person from our church at the Mexican border involved in church planting. We have another young man in the Pacific Northwest working in church planting. We, God has used Faith Baptist Church to send and support missionaries around the world. Will we give up that legacy? Are we will we continue with a heart to reach not only our community, But reach the world. Listen, love God, love others, reach the world. That is why we're here. Let me speak to you personally. Friend, if you're at a crossroads and God is speaking to you, maybe in your spiritual journey, God's speaking to you, conviction that you need to be saved. Will you hear his call? He wants you to be saved. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. If you've never trusted Christ as Savior, you need to do that, and you need to do that now. In fact, let me say, if you've done that privately, but you've not confessed Christ publicly, let me encourage you to make a public profession of faith in Jesus Christ. Maybe you've been saved, but you've never followed the Lord in baptism. You need to follow Christ. You need to do what God wants you to do. You need to follow His example by being baptized. If, If you're not a member of this church, some of you have been attending for a very long time, and I'm glad to see you every Sunday. But you know what I really want? I really want you as one of my members. I want you on board with me. I know that you're here supporting me and I appreciate that. You leave every Sunday. You hug me. You tell me that you enjoy it, but you're not one of us and you need to be. How long will you stand at that crossroad without making the decision that you know you need to make? Hear the voice of God today. And obey it. It is a crisis of decision and obedience to the God who calls us. Don't stand forever at the crossroad, make that decision for Jesus Christ.